Fully understanding the context of diversity, equity, and inclusion when fundraising. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Una Osley. Una is the Associate Dean of Research and International Programs at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And as you've heard me say often, the greatest relative advantage, distinction of the Fundraising School is wherever possible, our curriculum is research-based. And our first source is Dr. Una Osley and her research team here at the School of Philanthropy. So Una, what a delight to welcome you back to the Fundraising Schools podcast. Thank you for having me, Bill. Always a pleasure to join you. Una is the co-author of Chapter 29 in the fifth edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising. That chapter is Philanthropy Among Communities of Color. And Una co-authored that chapter with Sarah King Bataria. And Una's here to uh, help us understand that chapter and, and some of the key concepts. And Una, this is one of your many areas of research, of which you're known nationally and, and internationally. And a point that you and Sarah make very early in the chapter is that the philanthropic sector can learn lessons from the traditions, the philanthropic traditions of communities of color. What do we need to know about that? Well, Bill, thanks for raising that very important point, often overlooked point. When we look at communities of color across the board, one of the points that really stands out is that philanthropy is a vital part of every single community that we study. One point that we make in this chapter and throughout our research is that communities as diverse as Native American communities, Hispanic communities, African American, Asian communities, all share one common value, which is a commitment to generosity and to philanthropy. If we take uh, some examples, Native Americans during the pandemic, we saw tremendous organization within communities, the use of all of the assets that those communities had, whether that was their time, their talents, their treasures, but also their ties. The fact that these communities often have very strong networks of organizing, and um, trust that exists within the communities. And finally, uh, the power of the voice and advocacy, and especially in this era of social media, making sure you tap into the testimony of communities of color, because what we have learned, especially during the pandemic, but even before, is that communities of color have a lot to contribute to philanthropy. When we say there's a lot to learn, it's really because whether it's around solving community problems, addressing climate, education, hunger, communities often know how to solve problems. They have deep expertise. Often they have volunteers who are, understand these problems perhaps even better than uh, those who are working at large nonprofits. And in this moment, we have the opportunity to collaborate and partner in new ways. And I think when we say the philanthropic sector has a lot to learn. It's really about knowledge and tapping into the expertise that already exists in communities of color, as well as the traditions that exist around giving, around volunteering, around advocacy and organizing. And it sounds basic and straightforward, but when we talk about learning from the traditions of communities of color related to philanthropy, that means there are traditions. And, and when we see pictures only of Carnegie and Rockefeller or of Gates and Scott and Bezos, we don't hear about the philanthropy of our indigenous culture here in the United States or of people like Washington Walker and others in the Black African-American community uh, amongst our Hispanic neighbors. So how important is this topic to uplift 
just based on uh, perhaps uh, how philanthropy sometimes is portrayed? I think it's vital to lift up those traditions. And fortunately, we have a uh, robust scholarships that, that's taking place both here at the Lilly Family School with our Everyday Donors of Color project, but also colleagues like uh, Professor Tyrone Freeman, who's who's working on biographies of Madam C.J. Walker and others. Alongside the personal stories, we also have new terms that we're learning. One example is in Hispanic Latinx cultures, the importance of sharing what you have. So people may not necessarily recognize the term philanthropy, but they understand the need to share what they have. So whether that's the food, the clothing, the time, the talent, and for nonprofits to really understand that as they seek to address communities um, and challenges facing communities, they have resources that they can tap into because many organizations in those communities, grassroots organizations led by black and brown leaders are already working on those issues. One uh, very good example we came across in Baltimore is a group called Collectively that actually already is networked with many grassroots organizations. And we saw that during the pandemic, many large funders worked closely with Collectively to identify leaders and organizations working in Baltimore. So that's a very good example of how philanthropy can actually learn from what's on the ground and partner in new ways uh, to solve problems. It's so easy as fundraisers to think about our nonprofit organizations, but an important concept that you and Sarah raise in this chapter is that especially within communities of color, there can be philanthropy, charitable giving, all sorts of philanthropic behaviors that do happen in formal settings like nonprofit organizations, but also informally as well. Could you amplify that for us, please? Excellent. So one of the benefits of the work we've been doing here at the school is that we've been able to measure giving to registered nonprofit organizations, what we often refer to as formal giving, as well as giving that takes place outside of that domain. And that includes giving to family members living outside your household, giving to your neighbors, giving to your friends. All of that is typically referred to as informal giving. However, what we realize is that in this context, it's important to measure all of the giving that takes place, both to registered charities, but also the giving that's more informal, where people are helping people. And that's what's been called by social scientists, uh, referred to as mutual aid, the idea that I can help my neighbor, I can help my friend, I can help someone in need. I'm very actually... Um, encouraged by the last few years where we've seen the importance of formal and informal philanthropy working side by side. During the pandemic, we saw many Americans reach out to help their neighbors in need. That may involve tipping a service provider, providing a ride for a neighbor to the hospital. And what many nonprofits bringing it to fundraising and nonprofits and philanthropy realized is that they could tap into that collective energy that was uh, present and also the work that was being done within these mutual aid networks and organizations. Uh, what is encouraging also is that in the data, we've seen that um, during the pandemic, there was a lot of, of the informal giving and much of that was being directed within neighborhoods and within communities. The takeaway now is that many Americans recognize the importance of what's happening in their own neighborhoods. They, they recognize not just the power of nonprofits, but also of mutual aid networks and neighbors assisting those in need. We need 
all of that generosity to address the challenges. And certainly for nonprofits, there are a lot of, um, I'd say, new tools and new vehicles to really tap into that uh, collective giving that's taking place. And as the nonprofits and fundraisers do so, again, there are many perspectives and understandings on why this is an important topic to to understand, to discuss, uh, and including with our fundraising planning. Uh, but also, there is are plenty of data sets available to us to help us understand this as well. And now our school relies heavily on the philanthropy panel study. And under Una's leadership as our Associate Dean for Research and International Programs, she has ensured greater inclusion amongst the sample size and deeper analysis across a diverse range of donors. And Una, I know one of your findings and that of your colleagues is that ethnic and racial identity do matter uh, in association with philanthropic behavior. Can you help us understand that, please? Absolutely. So one thing we see very clearly is that race and ethnicity are not significant determinants of giving after we've controlled for education, income, wealth, and socioeconomic status. In other words, what really drives giving is the connection to the cause, the resources that people have, and not necessarily their race and ethnicity. However, when we look at where people give, the types of causes they support, the organizations they support, the ways and manner, uh, the tools they use, that's where we start to see their identity matter. So as an example, with our Everyday Donors of Color project, and you see that reflected in the chapter in Achieving Excellence, Many uh, communities have faced uh, discrimination in the past, and when they give, they're also giving to provide more equity to future generations. So we see in particular that African Americans and Hispanic Americans are very committed to education because they see that as a pathway for socioeconomic mobility. And within African-American traditions, the Black church in particular has played a role not just in the religious um, aspect of giving, but also in building community. And many give to uh, their religious congregations, not just to support their faith traditions, but also to support community building. So what we tend to emphasize in the chapter, and I think a big takeaway for fundraisers, is that racial and ethnic identity affect how people think about giving, the causes that matter to them, their motivations, all of that plays into their giving patterns. However, the decision to give, how much people give, that has a lot more to do with the resources that that individual has, the connection they have to the cause, and not simply their race and ethnicity. We're so fortunate to learn from that nuanced explanation, research-based, evidence-based, as we consider having the most diverse possible donor database that we can. And, you know, longtime listeners and viewers of this podcast know, uh, Una, that you have this wonderful gift that you, you uh, lead on the science, but then you can translate the science to uh, help us apply for effective fundraising. What advice do you have for fundraisers overall uh, as they look at philanthropy among communities of color? I'm so glad you asked. Our nation is more diverse than ever. We have a growing population of not just um, the diversity we've had in the past, but new uh, diversity. So when we look at the fundraising of tomorrow, it's going to look very different. Americans come from all different backgrounds. Our youngest generations are more diverse than ever before. What that means for fundraisers is 
once again, to really embrace this uh, diversity and understand that it brings a lot of new opportunities. Donors that have not necessarily been contacted before, engaged before, or even um, had opportunities to work with certain types of organizations and causes. So for many fundraisers out there, think of this as really an opportunity that is yet to be fully explored. At the same time, as you think about that diversity and the opportunities that it presents, remember that we all have a lot to learn from communities of color. And in terms of developing partnerships, the need to listen and learn and develop deep relationships. We all know that ultimately what drives giving in communities of color and throughout the um, rest of our landscape is the need to build relationships based on trust. And so as fundraisers think about how do I engage more diverse donors, the key is going to be listening, learning, and developing those authentic relationships. What we've also found throughout uh, our work uh, looking at diverse donors is that donors from communities of color are uh, very passionate about philanthropy, are very interested in learning more about giving and bring their own values, their own traditions as well. So this is definitely I would say one of the untapped uh, opportunities that lie ahead for nonprofits of all different sizes. And remember, it's also about a deeper engagement around time, talent, treasure, testimony, and also networks and ties. So that would be my um, call to action for fundraisers out there. That broad understanding of philanthropy, or better yet, generosity. Everybody is generous and can be generous in so many ways, not just, but also including with their charitable giving. Uh, Dr. Una Osley is the Associate Dean of Research and International Programs at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And Una is uh, listed as one of the top nonprofit leaders in the United States uh, by the Nonprofit Times. And we're so fortunate that uh, her research and the research of her team is central to our curriculum here at the Fundraising School. Uh, Una is co-author with Sarah King Bataria of Chapter 29. Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, Philanthropy Among Communities of Color. And that book is now available through the Fundraising School for purchase. Or if you register and attend Principles and Techniques of Fundraising, our signature course, the book is now included as part of your participation in that course. Speaking of our courses, we have more than two dozen public courses. They lead to four different certificates. We're available in person, online, in the United States anywhere across the world. And that's also true of our custom training when we can bring an existing course to you or tailor make a course specifically to your fundraising training needs. We have our quarterly webinars and of course, these free podcasts, all of which available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Thanks again to our guest, Dr. Una Osley. Our producers today are Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Sanjakevich. And now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.